In the age of the customer, many companies and organizations fall short in meeting the needs and wants of their customers, let alone exceeding them. And it's time to change that. Welcome to CX Leadership Talks. Our passion is to be a catalyst for you and your organization as a customer experience leader to help understand, design, and improve experiences across the entire customer journey and the customer lifetime. It's time to spice up your CX leadership, and we've got the pro who's going to talk you through it. This is CX Leadership Talks, and now your host, Ninka Bloom. And welcome to this episode of CX Leadership Talks, where I have a conversation with two amazing ZX leaders. Friederike Niehoff, she's an interim CX Customer Experience Manager and an author. And CCXP, we go way back. We met the first time, I really remember that, in a hotel in Assa, where there was a huge leadership conference for sales managers of the organization where she at that time worked for. She is meticulous. She knows where she goes. She knows how to engage as leaders. And the other person we have, the other leader we have in the call today is Alexandra Pilmiak. She is a customer-centric culture manager, author, and Hofstadus organizational culture practitioner. When I met Alexandra, I remember that she introduced herself with so many languages that she speaks, which is, of course, an incredible incredible skill to have when you work in customer-centric culture change, especially in a global organization. So I'm not going to wait any longer till I invite the ladies, the CX leaders in this conversation. So it's incredible to have these fabulous ladies CX leaders here on the podcast. And it's an international audience today because Alexandra comes from Poland, living in the Netherlands, speaking how many languages? Well, if you count Dutch as conversational, that makes it for five. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. And then a German living in the Netherlands, but now somewhere else in the world. Where are you, Friederike? I am calling in from Cape Town in South Africa. It's a true international CX leadership stock. I'm so happy to have you both in this podcast. And I'm curious, it's always interesting if you have to introduce yourself to the room. What do you say? I'm curious, Friederike, how do you introduce yourself? I usually introduce myself as an experienced and all-around CX manager trying to get CA to the next level in whatever I do. I usually also mention my title, which is CCXP, Certified Customer Experience Professional, and have a master's degree in consumer psychology. And I always love to mention that I'm fascinated by human behavior and have a passion for leadership and building teams. Yeah, and uh, since today I read on uh, LinkedIn that you're also a columnist writing monthly columns. True, for customer first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sharing all your wisdom. Thank you so much for that. And Alexandra, if you introduce yourself, what do you say? I say that I'm a customer-centric culture manager with uh, nine years of experience in the six field, passionate about culture, people, and employee experience. I am also a Hofstede certified practitioner in organizational culture and a judge at the International Six Awards. And uh, since uh, January this year, also a published author, which I'm very, very proud of. Yeah, yeah, of course. The book is going to be mentioned later. So everybody who's listening, hold your horses, hold your horses. It's always good to know where where you, well, gained your stars and scars. What is, when you look at the organizations you worked for, maybe Friedrich, where you gained most CX leadership experience? Mm -hmm. I think that was definitely at uh, Crump, where I started in 2016 and where I built 
CX from scratch, basically. And Crump is an international wholesaler in agriculture, selling parts in 24 countries with 50,000 customers, 4,000 employees and 1 billion turnover. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Also, I know we will have a lot of Dutch listeners that many people in the Netherlands don't know this organization. So please look it up. It's Crump. I think it's a gem that we in the Netherlands should be a little bit more proud of. And Alex, I know you from Crump, but you have way more experience than that. When we were having the conversation beforehand, you said almost 20 years. Incredible wisdom you must have gained. What is an organization where maybe it started for you? Yeah, when it comes to the CX field, started nine years ago for me in the Netherlands at Vida Excel, which is an international yeah. online retailer. They are present in 32 countries worldwide. They have 130 million unique visitors per year. So uh, I worked there as a project manager for customer experience, uh, setting up the CX measurements, closed feedback loop, doing customer journey projects and providing trainings for customer service. And then uh, since 2018, I joined Frederike at Crump, where we worked together on uh, also setting up CX from the scratch. Yeah, where I think for the listeners, it's important to know you are still there and even changed because in the beginning when we met at Crump, you had a different function title. I think you even became more specific in the culture element, right? That's true, yeah. So when we started working together with Friderike, I worked as a CX specialist. We were working on different assignments and projects all together. But very quickly, I took full responsibility for creating a sustainable customer-centric culture at Crump, which yeah. I manage to this day. And this is also what my role reflects uh, today. Yeah, it's, I love that. And I also think it's uh, very valuable that an organization like Crump has created this role and takes it serious, because I think in the end, this is what it's about. If you just put it in your program somewhere as a little bit of a, a project thing, or you put it in a function title, for me, it's, it's a very big difference. But we'll, get, we'll tap into the culture element later. As true CX leaders, and we're talking already, already about the stars and the scars, I'm curious when you have to introduce yourself and your results. Friedrich, what are your results that you are so proud of? Yeah, looking at my different jobs in the last few years, not only Crumb, but also my other employers, I would say that the red thread through all of these jobs is that I'm really proud of developing the CX teams at the different companies. So getting their knowledge to the next level, really working on building a team. Yeah, getting people in their role, really, so that they are empowered to improve experiences. That's more like the soft part, right? If you Yeah, for... we call it, yeah, yeah. I, I always call that yeah. the indirect elements. You need to have yeah. these. It doesn't have direct customer impact, but it is very important and a fundament to grow. And mm -hmm. I know that you have a lot of leadership skills in this because I know that some employees follow you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a sign of that this talent that you have and this result Thank that you, you booked that it is. But there yeah. must be direct yeah. results too. Absolutely. I think the most great result is uh, from Crumb, obviously, where I improved MPS from 24 to 37 within three years. I did that together with the team, obviously. But what I really liked about that part is that it's really measurable, of course, but we also managed to build a business case around that. So we managed to build a data model, which we were able to prove the influence on the customer experience, on sales and turnover, and could really calculate what the worth is of one MPS point improvement. So that made it really wow. tangible and that convinced the rest of the company, of course. 
Yeah, I think all these elements, both how you introduce yourself, what organizations you work for, and what I heard about the numbers, both from VDXL and from Crump and the turnover, but also the results you have. And I think it's so important for CX leaders that they know how to introduce themselves properly and gain that authority in a position, whether it's with a title, whether it's with your position, whether it's with your results. And I hope that the listeners are already inspired how to do that themselves. Alexandra, you mentioned you're also, since this year, an author. You just launched your book, Why Your Customer Experience Program Will Fail. Love the title, by the way. <laughs> what was the reason to write it? Well, I think uh, the idea of the book came to us almost two years ago when we were still working together. And soon after, Federica received this amazing career opportunity elsewhere. But since we both really loved working together, we decided to continue this book project after all, because, well, we enjoy working together, but also we complement each other very much, which hopefully you can also see through the book. And coming back to your original question, the reason for writing it, I think first and foremost was to give back to the Sikhs community for all the support and help and inspiration we have received as Sikhs leaders, as Sikhs professionals for all these years. And so give back to the community by sharing our own knowledge, our own lessons learned and the mistakes we did so that others do not have to repeat them. And I think on the top of that, also, we were very curious or enthusiastic to try something new in our lives, you know, to get a bit of our comfort zone, to spice it up a little. Yep, uh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Well, we wrote yeah. the book. So, <laughs> yeah. How did you, did you like it? Did you hate it? What was the experience to get out of your comfort zone? I think all of it. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We had a lot of highlights, also the moments when we felt like, wow, this is really a lot. We didn't expect this to be so much work, especially yeah. during the editing and proofreading process. But at the end of the day, uh, we are extremely proud and we are very happy that we decided to go on this journey because it, it did enrich our life and um, yeah, and made us uh, also more self-confident as six leaders, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I love the idea of doing to do something out of your comfort zone, one, but also to give back. And I think this is an amazing book. Well, I've, I had the honor to read it and uh, to write the foreword. And yeah, as, as you say, you complement each other. I call you, well, I know with Federica more from the red side, uh, uh, want to get results, going there for that. And Alexandra more on the green and on the human side, which also looks from the culture, which I call the red and the green. Maybe an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I call you the apple in CX, which we all need. And I think people should really read it because it's combined these little gems, but also the larger concepts. And in book, of course, you introduce and the title is Why Your Customer Exchange Program Will Fail and Seven Proven Ways to Avoid It, which is, of course, the apple, the seven apples that you, that you serve us. We're not going to share them all because people have to read the book. But I'm curious if you could both share one. Maybe, Friedrike, what, which one do you want to share with us? I think one of my favorites is actually the chapter about strategy. So I'd like to talk a bit about that. Also because I believe that the lack of strategy is probably the most important reason why these programs are failing. That's at yeah. least my own experience. We use a quote in the book from Jim Rohn, which says that success is 20% skills and 80% strategy. And that sounds a lot, right? 80% strategy, but I think it's really true. It's, it's where we often see weak spots in CX, CX programs. And it's something we have to learn the hard way as well. Yes. If you really want to organize experience management in a structured and sustainable way, we think it takes 
courage to make decisions and to be very clear in what you stand for, but also what you don't stand for. Many, many, many organizations, many civic leaders don't dare to take those decisions. And there are a few pitfalls which we describe, like, for example, managing, not making the choice, like I said, but also wanting to be everything for everyone. And then you end up being nothing for no one, not connecting the CX strategy to the overall strategy, not clearly communicating it and not translating it into customer promises and so on. So there's a lot that can go wrong. But if we talk about concrete tips to improve, I would say it's important to really slow down once in a while to be able to speed up on the long term because we get so caught up in the daily business that we forget to take a step back sometimes and think about strategy, actually allocate time to think about strategy. What I always used to do is to block one day a month to check in on strategy, to see where are we at, what are the challenges that we are facing, old or new, is there anything we need to adjust, or do we need anyone on board, and really take time to do that as a leader, involve your team in that process, and make sure that you keep doing that, that you force yourself to keep doing that. And maybe to add to that, if you struggle to define your strategy in the first place, that's actually one powerful advice that I got from you, Nienke, last year, <laughs> is that if you cannot find truth, you can also make your own truth. And I hear you laughing. Yep. I think you recognize that. I know because that moment very well. I was pretty yeah. surprised. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it sounds so obvious once you realize it, but what I always try to do myself is to fit all the puzzle pieces together, you know, make everyone happy, make sure that it is connected to everything yep. that's already there, really fit this puzzle together and that's impossible so sometimes you have to make your own truth and base that on data and experience of course and involve others from there but yeah that was really an eye-opening moment for me yeah i really like that you mentioned that because i think we it is frightening sometimes to make the truth to make that strategy and of course you have to align it with the corporate strategy but when it's not there and especially what a lot of uh, what I know a lot of CX leaders do, they have conversations with the board of directors, with people, with their peers. And the more they learn from others, the farther away from something mm -hmm. doable, because you get so many opinions and not much yep. of the content. So it is, it helps to make like a draft to make it for me to make a, to, to make a draft and then say, this is a draft I have. What is your opinion? Then it's yeah. much more easy. So I, yeah, I love that you share it. And what I, and when I look at the book in, in number four and make clear choices in your CX strategy, you use the, the sentence, be a CX essentialist. And that yeah. for me wraps it up because if you don't have a clear strategy, you will be lived by all the others. So yeah, I thank you so much for sharing. And uh, I think for the listeners uh, also a moment to, to see if they're making enough time in their agenda mm -hmm. to, well, first of all, to make the strategy uh, and then to live that strategy and to keep checking if you're on yeah. track uh, or maybe it needs to steer. All right. Thanks so much. And, and Alexandra, what is a chapter that you or one of those other six you would like to share with our listeners? Well, uh, since uh, Friederike uh, so beautifully uh, uh, summed up the strategy chapter, I think I'm going to uh, go to the opposite side because we also, in the book, we talk about the brain versus heart approach. So brain is yeah. everything that is measurable, hard, tangible, like strategy, for instance. But there are also the hard approach, so the softer part, more personal focus on people management, uh, like culture. So for me... Well, I've seen so many times in so many different companies and contexts that culture is still seen by many people as a soft and a fuzzy topic, which sadly is also being very overlooked. So 
we yeah. tend to look at the numbers, you know, at the business case. Actually, we both, me and Federica, we both find it absolutely crucial, a healthy culture uh, in place as a solid foundation for a successful SIGS program. Because yeah. if you don't have the culture supporting your strategy, it will still eat it for breakfast and lunch and dinner sometimes <laughs> even. Yeah. That is why we have dedicated the whole chapter to this topic. So in order to illustrate maybe this relationship is basically the strategy that you have will set the priority for the level of customer centricity level you want to have in your organization and yeah. the culture will assure its successful implementation through behaviors because of course within the organization the organizational culture already exists and people already have certain practices or ways in which they relate to each other to their work and to the external wor uh, world so what you already have uh, is it will define how quickly or how well you can implement your six strategy so maybe let me give you two simple examples so the first one for instance, if your employees are expected to follow all the procedures and rules to the letter, there is little chance they will go the extra mile for the customer and they will you know, go find a solution that's out of the box because, yeah, they have the rules to follow. So they are going to just stick with that uh, path. Similarly, if a company is heavily uh, geared towards risk avoidance or predictability, there is very little room for creativity. Now, that creativity is also necessary for coming up with new solutions, for making things easier for customers, for changing new things, changing processes that do not work. So that is definitely something that you need to take into account and understanding the type of the organizational culture operates in your company and making it a strategic matter is a necessity for a healthy six. Yeah. So I believe that if you do not include the culture, you will run into problems because people will not behave the way you want to behave. They will behave the way they always behaved because of these all unwritten rules there. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm going on a, a different route for a moment, but uh, two weeks ago I went to a day college on uh, corporate anthropology. You probably also know uh, both of you, and I went to building tribes, and they were really mm -hmm. talking about, of course, also the Hofstede and yep. all the other elements, and that we have these programmatic elements that we think how we're going to change culture, but we have to really tap into having those conversations first. They call it their campfire conversations to have these real connections with people and on how they behave and to, to have a look, what we call, of course, in customer experience management, ethnographic research. What are people really doing? And I love the examples, uh, Alexander, you're sharing that if people are be are showing risk-behaving behavior and no creativity in, in solution finding, then that's not because they are not creative, but probably because there's something else in the processes and the system that's it's influencing them. Yeah, I find it really interesting that maybe first, before we change culture, that we first start observing what it's like. That was for me a very important insight. Instead of making a program, this is A, B, C, D, what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, but I was also, also restrained from using the word change because yeah. for me, it's really harsh. I mean, the culture already exists, whether you like it or not. So for me, it's more about shaping it, adjusting it to your strategy, to you know the goals that you want to achieve because it's a process. That's a process that really takes a lot of time, a lot of tries. You will fail doing that. Yeah, it's not something yeah. that happens overnight. No. 
No, there's this really funny comic in the Netherlands where two little ducks having a conversation and they're sitting behind the desk and then they say, well, our culture program starts at Friday 4.30, our culture, <laughs> which I find still very, very funny because this is often what a lot of CEOs and leadership, people in leadership are saying, this is what we're going to, but then, yeah, it also starts with their behavior, but we'll tap into that in a second. Looking at this transformation and looking at the customer-centric part, Alexandra, you are working in culture and I know you have an ambassador program and I'm going to be honest, I think it's one of the few programs in the world and I know I'm raising the bar. So please, listeners, if you have such a fabulous ambassador program, <laughs> please let us know too, because we want to learn. But I Absolutely. think there is a big bar to raise and I don't know if you can beat Alexandra and her program, but because... What I love is that it's it's been there for a long time because I see that many investor programs started with the best intent. And the first half year, it's all da -da -da, big music. We're having a great fun time and it just starts to deteriorate because there's not enough attention. There's no stamina. So now I've put you on a pedestal. Yeah, what are the main ingredients that make it so brilliant? Well, I would like to start with saying, actually, I am busy for four and a half years nearly now building this yeah. culture and I'm nowhere nearly done. So, you know, it's, yeah. it is a process again. But if I look back, I think three main ingredients really stand out for me. And the first one is actually the one you, you mentioned yourself, or you called it stamina. I called it consistency. And that's a consistency in many aspects, in having a planning. What are you going to do? When you're going to do? With whom? How? Consistency in communication with all your ambassadors or community members. Consistency in having expectations. So what do you expect your community members to do and how they can realize it so they do not get lost trying to think, okay, what I'm going to do now, right? In, um, in uh, doing trainings, creating events, because a one-time thing is not going to hit the spot. I mean, one no. uh, one-time training is not going to do it. So you have to keep uh, the momentum going and keep in order to keep it on the top of mind, you really need to consistently be present. It's a hell of a job, obviously, but for me, I love planning. I'm a very organized, well-organized person, so it, it, it's, you are. it's very yes. enjoyable for me. <laughs> yes. And two other ingredients, I would say appreciation, because we tend to very quickly go from one project to another, from one assignment to another without actually taking a break and taking a step back and being proud of what we've achieved. So uh, whenever I can, I am sharing appreciation in public, in person, via direct supervisor, through customer first awards that we host every year at Crump, but also on a daily basis through small things like showing genuine interest in other people, you know, yeah. interest in them as human beings, also outside of six topics. It's not always work-related. And I think that the world needs more appreciation. <laughs> and the last ingredient, it's not an easy one and it probably will maybe not always be applicable to all the programs, but try to inject some fun, some enjoyment in what you do. So it's not, of course, we still want to deliver results. We still want to create value for the business and for our stakeholders. That's without a doubt. But having a positive attitude, not taking yourself very seriously, uh, organizing some fun outings, games, quizzes, little surprises, you know, some networking opportunities that really helps to get people together and make them feel safe and make it also much more enjoyable for them. 
which and and them well, for us yeah who are them because i think maybe a little bit of the background of the ambassador program who are the ambassadors of your program yeah so of course those are the employees at cram we also, I mean, we have customer specialists there, account managers, people who work in the warehouse. We have leaders and directors, so it could be anybody, anyone who actually has an interest in customer experience, anyone who wants to develop themselves in that area and create value for customers. So we have a really a great variety of people in different professions, so to say. And uh, well, they join the ambassador program through a two-day uh, training on customer experience and then continue with the program through different assignments, events, uh, further trainings as well. Also trying to, uh, you know, share best practices and go the extra mile for the customers and also doing a lot of storytelling to showcase to other employees what kind of effect it has on customers or what customers think and feel, what do they expect from Crump as a partner in business. Because our listeners, we just heard from Friedrika about 4,000 employees. How, how many Ambassadors do you have? Yeah, so we have over 220 people right now. Whoa, that has grown. (laughs) That has grown. And then in 24 countries. Uh, That's correct, yes. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. I think uh, it's it's great that you say I call it consistency and I love that. But I think that the difference for me between consistency and stamina is you can have the consistency in this is the, the meeting or this is what I'm going to do. But the stamina is also to keep doing it. And that is where many people just falling off the, the bike. But thank you so much for sharing. Another element of culture and and a change is more about engaging leaders to really get the wheel rolling. And I think the one hurdle is how to get it to employees and to, well, don't dare to say change behavior anymore. Now I have to say, (laughs) I wrote it down, so I'm not going to, how to shape behavior and shape culture. What is your experience with the leadership engagement, Frederica? Well, that is very, very important in the first place. Yeah. But they are often not as engaged as they could be. And I don't think that's because they don't want to engage, but because either they don't know how to do it or because they just don't understand the urgency of it. So what I used to do is if they don't understand the urgency, I try to use something like a maturity assessment, for example, to confront them how yeah, how customer centric they are or how not customer centric they are. Yeah. That's like holding up the mirror to them and that always changes things, in my opinion, because sometimes they're just unconsciously incompetent and they don't know any better. If they want to engage because they see the urgency, they sometimes don't know how to do it. So I think that's really important to make it easy for them. Yeah. Help them to lead by example. For example, invite them to visit customers or help out with the customer service team. Let them make a little video of that, a little vlog, and explain what they learned, what surprised them. To really yeah, help them to shine and make customer-centered behavior easy and visible for them. But it sounds easy. And I know that many people say, this is what I want. But mm-hmm. we also know that many leaders, when they're invited to go to a contact center, they just, at the last moment, they, oh, no, I have different priorities. Or do you have an example how you did that at Crump? Because you got that movement rolling. In one year, I think all leaders visited the customer. Uh, yeah, exactly. But we started with the leaders who were intrinsically engaged. So we started this movement by going to those leaders who really believed in CX. And we let them do it first. Then we use that movement to convince the others to join as well. So I would always say go where the energy is. Yeah. Maybe another nice example to mention is from a Dutch insurance company where I worked as an interim CX manager. And there we organized a customer weeks where everyone was allowed to or invited to co-listen with calls at the customer service. But actually the whole board of this company 
were the first ones to sign up. So if you have one sponsor in the board and he or she invites the rest of the board to do that as well, again, to lead by example, then that also helps really just top down leading by example in that way. Yeah, I love both examples. First, that you say, I have this, well, this leading coalition, the coalition of mm-hmm. the willing, how do you call it? And then they yeah. will inspire others. And then and then it's suddenly a movement. We all know that little clip of this one crazy dancer, I think, how to create followers <laughs> and then uh, people start dancing. But yeah. customer weeks is also a very smart way because you keep it small. They don't have to change their behavior in a large way. This is customer weeks. You yep. go listen in once or twice. And this is their first tipping their toes in the cold water often. Thank you so much for these cultural elements. I want to move a little bit more to leadership and your own customer-centric leadership and, of course, leading leadership change and and culture is that too. But, Alexandra, if you could give your former self, like five years ago in CX, give advice, what would it be? Wow, wonderful question, Inka. Not an easy one, though. (laughs) No, no easy questions. We're out of them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think... If I have to choose a really one powerful advice that would really make a difference for me, it would be to not doubt myself. You know, I mm-hmm. think that in a hindsight, I think doubting myself or yes, is counterproductive and diminishes, I mean, your capabilities. You know, constantly asking yourself, okay, am I good enough? Are the results of this project that I just delivered are satisfactory to my stakeholders, uh, etc.? I think you have to start with yourself. So be always good enough to yourself first, because you are, at the end of the day, you are the only one knowing how much effort, time, energy you put into a project or career milestone, how much you had to, how far you had to get out of your comfort zone. So you are the one best equipped to appreciate yourself for what you did. And, you know, so really doing the best you can and knowing that, okay, it's good enough for me. And of course, I know tomorrow I can do better. This appreciation also should start from within and not really relying on external feedback or external opinions to to give you that. Because they don't know the full picture, you are the one who knows uh, truly all of that. Yeah, that is very honest. Thank you so much for sharing because I know there's many people doubting themselves and that have that self-doubt, that little imposter syndrome person sitting on the, well, maybe not even sitting on one shoulder, but on both telling them it should be different or better or, and we all have them, I think. Yeah, it is what it is. And I think when I look at what you do, but of course I'm the outside, it has to be, it has to come from yourself. That is great advice. Don't doubt yourself or start believing in yourself, the positive one, but I think both, (laughs) both are part of the same medal. Frederick, a different question for you. What is something that you did as a CX leader, well, last year or lately, that truly brought you out of your comfort zone, but but really spiced up your leadership? Yeah, I guess this is not uh, an advice that is applicable for everyone, but for me personally, I guess that was quitting my job, which was definitely way out of my comfort zone, but it spiced up my leadership because as an interim CX manager, I get to experience new environments, new companies, new teams, challenges over and over again which really yeah. forces me to be more adaptable. It enables me to learn a lot. So I, I love that. But maybe it's applicable in a smaller way, like dive into a new project, new adventures, like yeah, challenge yourself like that. Because it also helps your leadership for sure. New experiences always do. Yeah, it's. I recognize that myself. And But I think quitting a job is for a lot of people a big thing. Of course, I did it once. It's Absolutely. already yeah. eight and a half years ago. So for me, it's a long time ago. But it's, I think, engaging in new, exciting things. Mm-hmm. We should really not underestimate how important that 
about eight weeks ago, I suddenly decided to follow a Harvard Business School course and I dived into it, I must say, with a little bit of much enthusiasm and then you see how much work it is. <laughs> but the thing is, you need to get out of your comfort zone and it brings yep. so much because otherwise you'll just well, go from one to the next. And I think we mm -hmm. need to, you don't have to do it all the time because it's also nice that, for example, you get to spend some time on a sabbatical in South Africa. But uh, it is important to, to spice it up yourself. But Alex, let's get back to the book. Why should people read it and where can they get their hands on it? Well, I think we already shared that uh, well, we wrote the book to share our own mistakes so that the others can learn from them, obviously. And since the publication uh, date, we have gotten quite some reviews from the readers. And they said, for instance, that uh, the book is a great mix of practice and theory, that it has very relevant case studies and presents a refreshing brain versus heart approach to Sikhs. So I guess that's the best summary of why people should read it, coming from the readers themselves. Yeah, it's just an honest share of what can go wrong in all those years <laughs> when you work as a Sikhs yeah. professional and also how you can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. learn from you and yeah. And I know it's uh, available on Amazon, on here in the Benelux and Bold.com and Management Book. Exactly. Yeah. I will share in the show notes. I will share in the post that I'll so people can get their hands on as soon as they can and read it. And of course, leave the review. That will be amazing, right? Yeah. And of course, uh, yeah. Feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. We are always uh, happy to, you know, to have a conversation, to also share our learnings through our conversation. So, Great. Uh, I'll share the uh, LinkedIn website links also in the show notes. And of course, they can read your name so they can reach out to you. I want to each podcast with two questions because I want to build up some rapport. And now I think I'm going to get some insights of you. I'm curious, what is a habit that you developed and practiced that really delivered CX results. Maybe, Friederike, you want to start first? Habit. Yeah, one would be that I introduced the customer minute in meetings. So not only in my own meetings, but also like cross-functional meetings within the organization. Uh, and the customer minute basically means that before you dive into the content of your meeting, you just share a customer story for one minute. It can be something very simple, something that went wrong, something that went well, something that you learned. And it's a very easy habit that not only helps to increase awareness for CX, but also can result in very tangible improvements, especially if it's like a cross-functional meeting and someone mentions something that another department didn't even know about or that triggers them to look into something. But it also forces everyone to actually have something to share in this customer minute. So to read through feedback, to listen with customer service, to visit customers, so it's like, it's only one minute, right? But it's really yeah. effective in talking about the customer and remembering yeah, what this is all about. I love it. And I think it's a very smart framing. Instead of doing a customer story, you call it a customer minute. It feels yeah. less difficult. It feels light. People have no clue what they're getting into. But hey, <laughs> that doesn't matter, right? Yep. Alexander, what is a habit that you developed that, well, a practice that, that delivered the results? It took quite some time for me to develop that one, but I find it really valuable. And I could call it, I don't know, the strategy check. It's actually similar to what Federica mentioned earlier when she said, okay, I reserve one hour a month to see, okay, where we are with the strategy, etc." And I do that on a smaller scale. So whenever I would consider a new assignment, a new project, or simply receive a request, I would ask myself, okay, does this support my strategy? Does it create value for me or for my vision? So really making clear choices and being an essentialist keeps you in check and helps you realize your goal faster. So if you say yes to everything and everyone, you will not 
not get anywhere. No, no. It's so true. Thank you so much. I think it's a valuable one. Finishing off with inspiration. I know that all CX leaders, we work so hard. Before you know it, you're in the Outlook hamster wheel and you're busy and you're working. But we need to stay inspired. So from all the CX leaders I'm going to be speaking with, I'm curious for their inspiration. What is a book, podcast, video, I don't know, that you want them, that you say, spend time in it to spice up your CX leadership? I don't know. Alec, what is something that you inspire and, and say, go read or listen or watch? Yeah, well, actually, I have no doubt here. <laughs> so my absolute number one is Simon Sinek's podcast uh, called Optimism. It's a series. Yeah. And especially there's one episode with Bob Chapman. It's an episode on leadership. For me, it is really a revolutionary approach on how to see your employees and the impact you as an employer have on the society as a whole. It really oh. blew my mind last year and it really enriched my view on employee experience. So definitely a, a huge recommendation from us. It's going to go on my list already. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Friederike, what, uh, what do you recommend reading, listening, watching? Well, I guess after this episode, I have to recommend the book Essentialism from Greg McKeown. We already touched upon it a few times, but yeah, I would maybe even say it's life-changing, not only in a business perspective, but also personal. Because like I mentioned before, my experience is that leaders often struggle to make clear choices in their strategy. And this essentialism approach that he describes in the book really helps to apply focus on what's really important to avoid drowning in ideas and projects and things you want to do. So it's a must read. It's really well written. It's easy to understand. And it's, yeah, life changing. Thank you. Thank you. And two things I've not read and listened before. So dear uh, listeners, this is also great inspiration for me already. I'm going to build up a library with all the insights. Friederike and Alexandra, thank you so much for sharing your insights with the audience of CX Leadership Talks. I'm going to be sharing your LinkedIn URLs in the show notes where they can get your book congratulations on the publications. And I know I called you uh, the apple a day to keep the CX doctor away. And I truly recommend all CX pros out there to read the book and implement the strategies and, and walk the talk because talking is one, walking is second. So thank you so much for thank taking you. the time and sharing your wisdom. Thanks for having You're us. very welcome. Thank pleasure. you for having us. Yes. You've been listening to CX Leadership Talks. Ninka is a customer experience speaker and educator. She has written books and spoken and educated leaders all around the world. She's one of the global thought leaders in the field. We hope you've enjoyed this show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can also find us on YouTube and LinkedIn and NinkaBloom.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on CX Leadership Talks.